it takes, you know, blind Bartimaeus, whatever it took, he wanted to receive his healing. And so he started hollering and a, a screaming and, you know, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And everybody tried to get him to be quiet. But it, it says in the Bible that he, he just hollered that much louder. Whatever it took, he was bound and determined that he was going to get a touch from God. And we need to be that way. You know, we're so prim and proper uh, that we, you know, we just think, oh, well, I just don't want to make a scene. Well, blind Bartimaeus made a scene. And everybody was telling him, just be quiet. Who do you think you are? You can't act like that. He's not interested in you. Look at you, you old beggar man. You know? And so I shared this morning that it doesn't matter what you came out of. It doesn't matter if you were a drug addict, if you were an alcoholic, whatever you were, well, you were a sinner, and God, Jesus, has brought you out of that. And you are important to him. And so he, provision is ours to have, but we're going to have to press into that provision. We're going to have to stay before him, before his throne of grace in order to receive the provision that he has for all of us in this hour. Amen? And so we need to do that even as a church, I'm excited. I am expectant. I can say I'm expecting. Now, don't y'all go out here and say, oh, our pastor is expecting. <laughs> now, we could start a big rumor in all over the city, couldn't we? Oh, she is. Well, isn't that interesting? She's single, and she's 57, and she's expecting. But I'm expecting. How many of you old people are expecting? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Brother Joe is. Hallelujah. Now, we could really start a rumor there. We've got men in our church that are expecting. Hallelujah. You know, they've always thought we're crazy. They might as well just know it now. Our men and women are expecting. I'm expecting great and mighty things. And, 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 and just to press in, like blind Bartimaeus did, whatever it takes to get to him, get to Jesus, and let him meet that need in our life. Because he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. You know, Second Peter, we talked about that this morning. And so it's in us. Now we're going to have to just come to him and, and get that provision from him. We're going to have to, I, I told you this morning, but we ha used to have a dog named Cuddles, a little weenie dog. And, and my will was as strong as that dog's. Because we had this sock, and we'd, we'd tied a knot in the sock, and I'd, I'd lift it up, and Cuddles could jump. She could jump at the table. She would beg for food, and she would jump, and, and she would tear holes in our sleeves here. She would jump and nip our, our elbow, and she was wanting food. And so I'd hold that sock up, and she would grab it, and she wouldn't let go. Cuddles wouldn't let go, and I wouldn't let go of it, and we pulled her teeth out <laughs> because she was wrestling with it, and she wouldn't let go. Now, that's tenacity. That's persistent. That's importunity. Importunity, what did we say it was? It's that, uh, that, that persistence in asking and asking and asking and asking over and over and over again until you get what you want from him. Amen? It's there. It's there for the asking and for the taking. Just like I said, we could go to Dylan's. You know, Dylan's has all the provision that we need for food to keep us from starving. But if we just sit here and talk about it all the time and never go and partake of it, then we'll starve to death. So we're going to have to press into the Holy Ghost because he has what we, ha what we have need of. But it's just not going to fall on us like ripe cherries off of a tree. And you can't expect just to come to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and, and get it because you're not. there. It, it's called relationship. 
and it's called pressing into his presence. Pressing into his presence and, and having, <laughs> having everything that he has for us. I mean, I want to have it. I want to get it, and I want to have it, and I want to keep it. Amen? And so it's having everything that he has for us. A knowing. And that word has been coming up since the first of the year. A knowing him. And I believe that we're getting there. A really knowing him and be, being ever so conscious of who he is in our lives. Not just lollygagging through life, you know, six days a week and coming to church on a Sunday morning and a Sunday night maybe, but uh, really a knowing all the time, 24-7 of who he is and what he can do and what he desires to do, that provision that only he has for us. Hallelujah. Amen? So tonight, we have a desire as a people, as a church, to see the glory of God in the church. Well, what is the glory of God? It's just his manifested presence. It's those things that we have been experiencing and those things that we have seen. It's a desire to see his power. You know, we saw the power of God in manifestation this morning. Miss Gloria, where are you? There you are. She said that she, that she felt her back. When, when we prayed for her this morning, she felt her spine lining up. And she said for the first time in how many weeks she's been free of pain. Amen. Well, see, that provision is hers. We had to press into it this morning. You know, we just had to press into it. And we had to stand in the gap with her because she was getting weary. I could see it on her. And so, praise God, that provision, that healing. And she'll continue. She'll continue until it's 100%. See, I want it... I want it all, a complete, a completeness of all that he has for us. Amen? You know, the Apostle Paul had that same desire. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3, look at verse 16. Well, let's just go back to verse 13. Wherefore, I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, and, and depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. See, he had a desire to see the church filled with all the fullness of God. That was Paul's desire. And sometimes we live defeated lives because we don't surrender everything to him. We accept Jesus as our Savior, and we have our ticket punched just enough to keep us out of hell and into heaven, but have we surrendered our life to him? Have we made him Lord of everything in order that we walk in victory all the time? Surrender. You know, last week that word came forth, that surrender and those other things, and I still don't know everything about that, but there's a surrendering that's going to have to take place. 
In other words, he is going to have to be Lord of our lives in order for us to walk in the victory that we should walk in, all because of him. So that surrender is going to have to take place. Oh, yeah, I accept Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. That's great. But then there's a walking it out, a surrendering. We can, we can make him Savior, but have we really made him Lord? To where he sits on the throne of our heart and no one else. Not self, not TV, not sports, nothing. To where he has our heart and he has it all. To where he is Lord of everything. He wants to be involved in everything that we are. He wants to be involved in our thoughts and in our attitudes and our speech. He wants to be involved with our friends. He wants to be involved in the way we look, the way we dress, the way we act. He wants to be involved in everything. That is called a surrender, surrendering unto him, making him Lord so that we have the victory that he wants us to have. Amen? Paul knew that the power that should be manifested in the church was in the inside of every one of us. And when we come into obedience to the Lord Jesus and walk in that relationship and that obedience with him, then we're going to have glory in the church. We'll have it. You know, when we become so in tune to him and we walk in his presence and we desire him more than we desire anything else. Now, that doesn't mean that we just have to go around being goofy all the time. You know, we don't have to go to a restaurant and, and walk in and say, yes, I, you know, I'm here, there'll just be one non-smoking. Well, I guess everything's non-smoking anymore. And, and you have your Bible. You know, you don't act like that. People are watching us, and they're just looking to, to see that we are who we say that we are. That we're a people that just love God and can have fun and can go out to eat, and, and we do normal things. We drive cars and we go to the grocery stores. We don't just sit at home and read our Bibles all the time. But when we come into his presence, there's a knowing that comes and that word will be in us all the time to where we walk in that victory. And if we see somebody that is sick and they begin to tell us our, their problems, then we can just stop and say, Candy, let me just pray for you. Oh, that would be wonderful. And then let the power of God come out of us into them and they're healed. And then they'll say, wow. See, we Christians are just normal. We should be. Just normal people that can enjoy life and have fun, but just love God. Just love God. Amen? Well, I don't know what that had to do with glory in the church, but nonetheless, it was good. His power works in us. So therefore, his word is powerful, so we've got to think big. We've got to do big. We've got to act big. We've got to speak big. His power, think of this. Think of who he is and his power. It's mind-boggling of all he is and all he desires us to have. He wants to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. See, he's able to carry out his purpose and to do super abundantly, far above what we can even think with our finite minds. His desire is to see the measure 
of his glory in each and every one of us. And then we come together corporately, and it's manifested, hallelujah, in the church. When we all come, men, women, boys and girls, expecting. Oh, yeah, I heard about that church up there. They're all pregnant. <laughs> That's right, pregnant. Pregnant with vision. Pregnant with the word of God. Pregnant, pregnant, pregnant. Expecting him to fill this house. And then what's in us goes out to others and miracles and salvations and every other thing will be wrought by his power. Why? Because we're all pregnant with his word. We're all pregnant with the vision. We're all pregnant. We're all expecting him to move in a great and powerful way. We're all pregnant expecting the glory of God to be manifest in our midst. Hallelujah. Now wait till that's published in the paper. Oh, that word life church, everybody up there is pregnant. We are. I'm pregnant with vision. I'm pregnant with the word. I'm pregnant knowing and seeing what I know that I know that I know that my God can do in this hour. I'm pregnant with that. Why? Because I know he is God. And I know that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I know what he desires from this body of believers right here in Garden City, Kansas. I'm pregnant with that. There's, there is a knowing that has come to me. And I can see it. There's a knowing. And when you know that you know that you know, there's a seeing, that, that vision, that vision just becomes so real. You have to be careful because we want to make it happen. And sometimes we can't. Well, we can't. Only he can. Amen? Yeah. Only he can. John 15, verse 7. Turn there if you would. You know, we need to be the happiest people on the face of the earth. Well, look at what all's happened to me. I'm not very happy. I'm just sad. Well, that's a choice you have. You know, just turn that around. Yeah, just look at me. Look at all that's happened to me. Yeah, look at all that's happened to you. You're saved, full of the Holy Ghost. On your way to heaven, just look at what's happened to you. You know, this is a life that we're just passing through. We've got to think heavenward. We've got to think uh, beyond the here and now. Because we're just passing through this land. So we're going to have to think differently. John 15, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. See, in other words, he will manifest his presence and provision if we will just stay connected to him. And we preached some about this other night on, on um, coming into his presence. If we will stay connected to him, then we're going to bear much fruit, and then he is going to be glorified in our midst. Amen? Hallelujah. John 14, turn back. Look at verse 20. At that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Here he is speaking again about relationship and obedience. 
Those are the keys to his manifested presence. Because he lives, we live. Amen? He is the same Holy Ghost. It's the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. He abides right here. And he's present in the world today. Because he lives, we live. He abides in you. And if we stay connected to him and into his presence, like I preached on last Sunday night, then we're going to see his glory in the church. We're going to see him do miracles when we trust him, when we know him, and when we stay plugged into him. You know, we have rights. We've talked about that. Because of who he is in us. He's our source. We're the outlet. We have the keys, you and I. Relationship and obedience. We've got the keys. So in order for us to see the glory, we're going to have to cooperate with him and build the way he says to build. You know, in Exodus, and I'm not going to th go through all this, but I do want you to write this down. I want you to read. In Exodus 25, God gave us the pattern for the building of the tabernacle and the, and the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, it was, it was very precise what he said. And in verse 9, it says, According to all that I show thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. See, according to all that I show you, Moses was commanded to build according to the pattern that God gave him. And then, we, that was obedience. He was commanded. And then in Exodus 31, it talks about the laborers that were sent to build. And then in verse, or chapter 40, verse 33 and 34, well, in, in Exodus 36, it talked about the, the, the necessary uh, materials that they had to use. And then in Exodus 40, and you can read Exodus 25 through 40, it says, And he reared up the court round about the tabernacle and the altar and set up the hanging of the court gate. So Moses finished the work. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation. And what happened? The glory of the Lord filled the place. And he built according to the pattern. And then verse 35 said, Moses wasn't even able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. See, when the tabernacle was built according to the plan, according to the pattern of God, and then he was able to fill it with his glory. And that's where what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to build according to the pattern. We're going to have to obey we're going to have to hear him. We're going to have to spend time in prayer. We're going to have to fellowship with him. We're going to have to build according to the pattern. And then when we come together, what is going to happen? Oh, hallelujah. He is going to be manifest in this place. In all of his power. In all of his power. When we build, when we build according to his plan, just obeying him. Just obeying him. Well, I do that. I pay my tithes. Well, what else are you supposed to be doing? Obedience. See, we've got those keys. Obedience and relationship. Just building according to the pattern. Titus 2.7, Paul instructs Titus to be a pattern of good works. You know, in a building program, I don't know a lot about building. I look at, at um, blueprints, and they just look like a bunch of blueprints to me you know I mean I can't tell a door from a window and it's but it's just all laid out and and, and it takes more than just a, a pile of bricks 
to build a building. You know, if we were going to do that, we've got some bricks out here. Uh, Brother Mark could come and say, well, Pastor Lenore, I think I'm just going to come up tomorrow and, and start laying those bricks. Well, I don't think so. Because if we had a wind like we had yesterday, it would just be in a heap, you know? There's things that have to be laid first. You don't even start the foundation. Well, I, you know, I can come up and start pouring the concrete. No, there's dirt work that I do know that much. There's dirt work that has to be done before you can start building. You know, usually dirt has to be in, and then they have these big old steamroller big things, and, and they pack it down, and then they bring more dirt in, they pack it some more, and why do they do that? So that it just doesn't crack and fall apart when we have a wind like we had yesterday? I thought my house was going to crack and fall apart. I was sitting there, and the window was a... I thought, oh, my goodness. The wind was blowing. But see, our house was built on a firm foundation, and hey, it's still standing. My fence isn't so much in some places, but my, my house is. But see, there's a pattern. You just don't go out and, and get a pile of bricks and say, well, I'll just stack these here, and we'll just start building this building. No, there's, there's preparation that has to be done with the ground first. Then you come in, and, and you put in sewer lines, and you do all of that other stuff, and it looks like nothing is happening. But see, there's a bunch of stuff that goes, goes on before the actual building has to come up. So it's no different in building a church and, uh, for the presence and the glory of God. The building plan, you, you have to have a, an, an architect to make that, that, those plans so that you know what to go by. Hey, we've had a master builder. We've had a master builder that has gives, given us the plans so that his glory can come into manifestation in our, in our church and in our lives. Amen? And there's phases of, of construction. Each phase has to be scheduled precisely the right time. You know, my, our son's father-in-law is a builder. He builds houses in Arkansas, and he's a, he's a wonderful builder. But he doesn't just say, okay, gang, you know, he has all these subs that come, and he said the hardest part is scheduling the sub so that the one that's ready to brick can't come before the foundation is laid. And so scheduling everything according to the pattern. Because he is the master builder there. He knows. He can read the plans. He knows what's supposed to be done. And the, and the ones that are the laying the bricks, say, I'm ready to lay the brick, I'm ready to lay the brick, I'm ready to lay the brick. Well, I'm sorry we don't have the foundation laid yet. So you can't, found, you can't lay the brick unless you have a foundation. So Daryl said, that's the hardest thing, is just keeping all these guys in check until it's time for them. See, time is a huge key. We can't just run out and get ahead of God. If we had done that, this whole, it, it would just have been disastrous, even though sometimes we want to do that. We want to do that sometimes. Because we can see things, and we know things, and, and sometimes the hardest thing uh, for a pastor, and, and I saw it even with pastor, is just to wait upon God and let him build line upon line, precept upon precept, and then we have a sure foundation. And then we can continue to build. But if we just run out there and do what, oh yeah, I think we'll just go start the building tomorrow, Mark is home. He could come up and say, I saw some bricks out there in the, in the shed, so I'm just going to come up tomorrow and I'm just going to start lining those bricks up and we'll just get started on the family center. It's not going to happen. I, he he would have just spent a day out there wasted. 
you know, he might as well just been blowing bubbles with bubble gum or something. That's about as much uh, as he would have gotten accomplished. So a building has to be built with specs, specifications. And then the finished product, oh, hallelujah, is something that we can be proud of and the glory of God can come and fill the place. So we have to build according to the pattern. When all the materials are set according to the plans given by the master builder, the architect, then the building will function according to its divine purpose. What is our purpose? What's our purpose? Do you know what our purpose is as a church? What's our purpose, Mark? Exactly. Our purpose is souls. Why do you think we have the Bible schools? Why do you think we've done missions trips? Why do you think we always give an altar call so that you can see what our purpose is? It's all about people. It's all about souls. It's not about a family center. It's not about a gymnasium, even though those things are nice. But the purpose of that family center is to bring souls in for the glory of God. See, we have an underlying purpose. We have a plan here. Amen? Now, we, as living stones of the church, have to be fitly framed and joined together according to the pattern of the chief architect, and the end result is that we will become a holy temple of the Lord. Turn to Ephesians 2. Let's look there. Ephesians 2. This is good. Well, there's Ephesians and Philippians. My Bible's just kind of coming apart. Ephesians 2. Look at verse 19. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple of the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Hallelujah. A holy temple in the Lord. And we function as a habitation of God through the Spirit. So in this spirit, in this spiritual building, not everyone has the same function or purpose, but we're all necessary. See, that's why we have to understand. Now, Miss Salita has been gifted in preparing meals for hundreds of people. If I tried to do that, it would be a disaster. It would. See, the things, the gifts and the callings on each and each and every one of us, we're all needed even though we do different things. You know, our bathrooms are a necessity here. Our kitchen is a necessity here. But they function as different things. But they're still very important. The lights are very important, but they, they're different than the wall outlets, than the wall plugs. While they're, both while they're both needed and a vital part, they function in a different way. But they're all needed in the overall functioning of the, of the church. Amen? So when every one of us, as living stones are set in our position, in our place, then we will function properly. But get somebody out of place. If you had me, if I said, hey, we're going to have an Awana's night uh, for dinner, I wouldn't have a clue how much stuff to buy. 
and I could call all these people and say, okay, you need to, to bring the desserts, you need to bring the spaghetti, you need to bring the meatballs, you need to do this. Oh, then we get down here, oh, I forgot to have somebody bring, I forgot. I forgot to call the woman that was supposed to bring the spaghetti. We don't have spaghetti. Oh, that's great. Well, we've got meatballs, but we don't have any spaghetti. See? Now, Miss Selena has it all figured out. There's a purpose for her, her gift. And I'm not saying she can't preach, but she might not be able to be up here doing what I'm doing. See, Brother Gilbert is a painter. He likes to do things and fix things, and he's good at that. He can see. That's his function. That's where he functions. Brother Mark is a businessman. That's why he's so important on the board is he has a business mind. He can look at blueprints. He came in the other day and he said, Pastor, let me look at those blueprints. Well, I gave them to him. Well, he knew exactly. Oh, yeah, I see this and this and this. Well, see, to me it was just a, a, a piece of white paper with a bunch of blue marks on it. <laughs> oh, yeah, this door is here and this door is here. Oh, yeah, I see that level. I said, you do? To me it just looked all the same. I didn't know the door from the, from the wall. But see, those are all giftings that each of us have. And, and when we're set in our proper place, and when we do uh, uh, what Jesus has called us to do, and we're set and then we're placed, then he's going to grace us to function in that place. And then the glory of the Lord is going to fill the house. Hallelujah. Ephesians 4, 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Grace. What is grace? It's God's enabling power. His ability and His enabling power. We will be graced where we are placed. I've seen that. Things that you didn't think that you could do. If He places you there, then He is going to grace you to fulfill that place. You will function in that place. You will be graced you will be placed, and you will function according to the pattern. Hallelujah. Ephesians 4.16 From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Hallelujah. Where we're placed, we're going to be graced, and we're going to function according to the pattern. Now, look at 1 Corinthians 3.10. 1 Corinthians 3.10. According to the grace of God, which given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. You know, we have a wonderful master builder. His name is Jesus, who knows all about us. He created us in his image. He knows us better than our best friend. He knows us better than our spouse knows us because he created us. He knows our thoughts. The Bible says before we even ask him, he knows what he knows our thoughts. He knows what we're going to ask. He knows the number of hairs on our head. He is a great master builder. Now let's let him build us the way that he wants to build us. Not the way that we sometimes think it should be. Well, God, I wanted to do this. I wanted to do that. You know, we're going on these missions trips, and you better make for sure that you've heard from God when you go. Not just because you like to go. I love to go. 
I love to go on a mission trip. But you know, we were invited to India, I don't know how many times. And we would pray. We didn't just say, yeah, let's go to India. That sounds great. We never did. We never had a green light to go to India. It was one of pastor's desire just to see the masses. He said, I don't care if I preach. I just want to see it. But we never had a green light. For some reason, God would never let us go to India. You know, when you're going, when you have a vision, like this church has a vision, you don't just say, oh, yeah, I want to go to Mexico. I want to go to Africa. I want to do this. I want to do that. You better know that you're in the right place at the right time, and God has, will grace you for that. But you better not go just because, oh, yeah, I just want to go. You better make sure that God has called you to that place. And if he has, I remember the first time we went to Africa. Well, it was actually the second time in 1988. And there was war. I mean, we had just crossed the border at Busia from Kenya into Uganda, and there had just been a massacre just a few days before that. And I was uh, teaching school at that time, and, and uh, well, I was subbing. I wasn't teaching all the time. I was subbing. And one of my principals was just having a fit. Oh, Lenore, I can't believe y'all are going over there. You know, there's terrorists, and they're going to, you know, bomb you, and your planes are going to go down. I mean, he really encouraged me, you know. And, but we had prayed about it, and we knew that we were supposed to go. In fact, God spoke to me when we were in Kenya in 1986 that in two more years, we would, be planned, we would have our feet on that soil again. God spoke to me while we were there that in two years, we would be back in Africa. And we were. In 1988, we went back. And, you know, even with gunfire, one night we were laying there at, at the Daniel Hotel, and it was hot, and Dolly Parton was out on, well, she wasn't there, but her records were, out in this little bar thing that they had out there, and she was doing Christmas carols. And it was in May. And, and all the Africans were out there, and they were drinking and, and doing their thing, the, the people in, in that area, and boom, 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 boom. I went, boom. I said, what was that? Pastor said, I went, oh, hallelujah. <laughs> I mean, and it was loud. It just about scared the liver out of me. And, I, and the, you know, Dolly quit singing, and all the Africans ran, and I thought, oh. I said, it's gunfire. Yeah, it's gunfire. I went, oh, hallelujah. What are we doing here? God, I thought we were supposed to be here. You know, and God just kept us safe. And if you're supposed to go to those places like that, then he's going to keep you. We would have been safer in Uganda, Africa, with gunfire going off 100 yards from us than we would have been right here in Garden City, Kansas. Obedience. Had he told us to go and we had disobeyed, then we better go. But that's where there has to come that knowing, knowing him and knowing his voice and doing exactly what he says when he says to do it. Always wanted to go to India. Brother Cold went to India. God never let us go. We went all over the world, but we never go, went to India. Why? I don't know. I don't know. I remember Angela Keaton. Y'all know Angela and Larry from Poland. She was coming home by herself. This was not long, one time after we were over there. And she said she had checked her bags, and she started to get on the plane, and the Holy Ghost said, no. She said, Lord, what am I going to do? And he said, get off. You're not to go. So she got off the plane, and she said, I'm sorry, I can't go on this plane. Well, then they, you know, uh, they wanted to know all this why. Well, she couldn't tell them. Well, she did finally say, well, God told me not to. They thought she was nuts then, you know. 
And she said, I, I just can't go. See, they didn't understand I have a check of the Holy Ghost. So she was saying, I just can't go. And they said, well, your, your bags are checked. And she said, I'm sorry, you have to get them off. And it was a big deal with her. She called Larry and said, you have to come back and pick me up. He said, what's happened? She said, I can't go. And he said, why? She said, the Holy Ghost. She said, I started to step on the plane. And the Holy Ghost said, don't you go. She was coming to the States. And so she got off. Anyway, they, you know, did this big deal with her. And, and uh, she finally got her bags. And she stayed. Larry said, well, why don't you just stay there at the hotel if you're going to go on the next flight tomorrow? She said, well, I'll see. She was up all night praying. She said, I don't know why God wouldn't have me go. And she listened to the news. She thought, I wonder if the plane's going to crash. She didn't know. The plane never crashed, but she said, I may have, because she was obedient to stay and to pray, she may have, her prayers may have caused that plane to stay in the air and to land in the United States of America. But she said, she had such a relationship with him. She said, I knew I could not get on that plane. And she was getting ready to step over and get on that plane. And the Holy Ghost said, don't do it. We better know him like that. We better know him like that. To where we can hear his voice and to do exactly what he says to do. And when we do, when we obey him, then his glory is going to come into the church. Amen? Oh, there has to be that knowing. There has to be that knowing. And you make sure that you have heard from him. I believe that our church is going to go and we're going to do and we're going to, to go places that we haven't been. And oh, it all sounds exciting. It is exciting. And it's great. Don't ever go with the thought that, oh, I'll get to see places I've never seen. You go with the thought that the Holy Ghost has me here for such a time as this to minister to the lives of people. Now, Pastor and I went all over the world. We never took any time to sightsee. We usually had about a half a free day when we would go to the schools. And then the, the overseers, the administrators of the schools say, when we were in, in Italy, they said, you want to go into Rome, to the Vatican City, to Vatican City. And we had a half a day was all the free time that we had. When we're done, boom, we were home. See, we were there on assignment. We were there for purpose, for such a time as this. And God did his work. The glory of God came, and then we were back. So I'm saying all of that to say this. There has to be a knowing here. There has to come a knowing. And then you have to obey. You have to have that relationship with him, and then you have to obey. We're going to have to be like Angel Teton when, boom, she couldn't get on the plane. Her bags were checked. The, Pol the, the Polish people didn't understand. She was persistent, just like that faith that I talked about today. Whatever it takes, she said, I can't go. Thank God she didn't. You know, Pastor and I had a similar situation. When we went to Africa, we were in France. We had gone over, we were in Versailles, France. We'd gone over to this little shopping center, and we'd gotten our water to take into Africa and, and different things. And the Holy Ghost, and I, I'm not going to go into all this because I think I've shared it before about my dream that we'd had four days before, five days before when we got there about what happened in Africa. And, you know, different things happened little by little. I mean, within six hours before we were to, to get on a flight, the Holy Ghost said, don't go. We struggled. 
God, the Africans don't have telephones. We're, we're, we're supposed to minister in a group of 500 pastors, and we're not going to show up. There is no way for us to get a hold of them and let them know. Sure enough, the plane landed in Uganda. Boom. Well, where's Pastor Lenore? We were in France trying to get home because the Holy Ghost told us not to go. There had been terrorist activity. And the very hotel, the dream that I had, came to pass over there. Except my dream, it was us. It wasn't a good dream. See, obeying. Disappointing, yes. We had never done that. The Africans were disappointed, but yet they understood because they knew that we had heard the voice of God. So what does this have to do with glory in the church? Hearing his voice and obeying. Being a God pleaser and not a people pleaser. Not being a self pleaser. Oh, just because I want to go to Africa, just because I want to go here, you better not. That's the hour, saints, that I believe that we're in. Oh, well, I thought that, we did, that he was our protector. He is. But you don't go beyond those checks that you have in the Holy Ghost within you. You don't, you don't step out and, and tempt God like, like that. He tells you, no, you better, you better stop. I don't care what you're doing, where you are. He will grace you where he places you, and we will function as we're supposed to function. But let's make sure that when we build, we're building on the word of God. Line upon line, precept upon precept, coming into his presence and getting to know him in a very real, intimate way so that we can hear and understand his voice just like we hear the voice of our spouse or of a friend so that we will know there will be great discernment that comes to us in this hour. Amen? So build according to his plan, his purpose, and then the church will go forth with power and purpose, and his glory will be manifest. Do you desire that? The glory of God manifest as we obey and as we come into relationship and that knowing comes, and we just follow him and do exactly what he tells us to do. It's crucial in this hour, saints. If we want to have more, it's crucial that we walk right with him and that we do exactly what he says to do. We can't be moved by family. We can't be moved by family. You're only moved by the Holy Ghost. Only moved by the Holy Ghost in his voice. then God is going to take care of everything else when you obey him and move with him and, and just hear him and obey him. Amen? I don't know why I shared all that. I guess somebody needed to hear that. Hallelujah. Glory in the church. Somebody gave me this the other day. They were praying for me. I just closed my notes and saw this. Did I not say to you, if you believe and rely on me, you will see the glory of God. That's John 11, verse 40. Did I not say to you, 
if you believe, if you believe a knowing and rely following his voice and no other, that you will see the glory of God. They handed me that note and I put it right there. So I say to you, did I not say to you, if you believe and rely on me, you will see my glory? Hallelujah. You ready to see him? You ready to see his manifested glory in a greater powerful way than what we're experiencing now? I am. I want to so be in tune with him that his voice is so very clear to me. That I'll know when to go. I'll know when to stay. I'll know when to say yes. I'll know when to say no. I'll know what to do and when to do it. That my steps are totally, completely ordered of him. But we're going to have to stay in his presence. We're going to have to obey him. can't tell you to do something and you disobey and then expect him to keep talking to you. You're going to have to obey. He knows us better than anybody. And he desires good for us. Amen? Hallelujah. Worship team, if you would come.